Street. Uh, Bishop Henry Hearns is with us. You can read about him in the bio insert in your bulletin. Uh, he was born to a family of sharecroppers in Mississippi 77 years ago. And uh, he's the pastor of Livingstone's Cathedral of Worship, also known as First Missionary Baptist Church in Lancaster, or the, Apple, the Antelope Valley area of California. He's the mayor emeritus, former mayor of Lancaster, California, and we are so blessed to have him. Are you ready to hear the, the word from the Lord through this lesson? Praise the Lord. Just like that. <laughs> Good morning. morning. Pastor, and to all of the leadership of this church, and to the praise team, and in particularly, I refer to him as my son and his wife, Barry and Cosette Jenkins. I'd like to have you all to know that if you didn't know this, let me tell you that they were there with me for several years, and you have the best that California has to offer right here in Texas. Man who spent many uh, years, we did a lot of, we built, oh, many buildings and things at our church. While he was there, and he was one of those who made sure that things were done properly and according to the plans. We helped us prepare all of the blueprints and the specifications. And by the way, I'm a retired uh, civil and environmental engineer myself. And so I, uh, I enjoy uh, engineering and that kind of thing. I am so happy to be here, and I said earlier, I said to Pastor, I don't know how to preach in a worship environment like this, I feel like I just like to keep on in worship. And uh, it was a great joy to to be in worship with you today. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it's really, really a wonderful opportunity to be here all the way from California. And I want you to know this, and pastors already kind of gave you an introduction of me. I am from Mississippi, and before it's all over, you'll know that because you'll hear the Ebonics <laughs> coming from me, so we are thankful for this. I'd like for you, if you would, just to stand, and let's just take a short moment of prayer, and then we'll be ready to go. Gracious and wonderful and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful body of people, this pastor, and who uh, opened his arms at the request of my son Barry, and allowed me to be here not knowing necessarily who I am except what you told him through your Holy Spirit. Now, as we begin to speak today, I pray that the anointing will flow through here and that every man, woman, boy, and girl that is in here today will leave with new hope. We just thank you for the privilege and we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
I was on it last night to be, I, I didn't check with pastors to find out how long he normally speaks. Very good. All right, we'll keep our eyes on our watch. I don't see a clock somewhere. Oh, hey. <laughs> okay. All right. So somebody would. Okay. Very good. Well, we'll do our best to stay within that. Uh, I had a wonderful opportunity last night to talk about uh, my life as a, a child born on a sharecropper's plantation and how it was with our family and how inconvenient it was. And I, there was one little piece that I left out last night. And those of you who were there, I'm going to share it with you right now. I had to develop the hate in me for anybody that looked like they were white because of how things were and how I grew up in Mississippi. And I said, if I ever get to be a grown man, somebody's going to know what they, how they treated me here in Mississippi because I'm going to make them pay for it. And God did something very special for me. As I went to work for the government, I moved very quickly through the ranks. It wasn't too long before I was at the GS. I don't know how many of you are familiar with government levels. But in my day, it was the GS-11, which is basically the journeyman's level. And then the GS-12. Then I went to the GS-13. Then I went to the general manager's 13. And then to the general managers, 14 and 15, and so on. And so when I got to the 14 level, I had 300 and something people working for me. And in my office were about 30 people in my immediate office, all white. <laughs> and they didn't know who I was. So the big office that was left for the boss, which was supposed to be my office, over the weekend, they took all the stuff out and put it in a small office, and four or five of them moved into my, my space. And when they did that, one of the first things I thought about is what I said as a boy, how I was going to treat them. But the Holy Spirit moved upon me in that setting and told me to be quiet and let him handle that. And I, I really intended to share that last night. And I want to share this with you right now. What the Holy Spirit did is said, be quiet. I went and took the little office that they had prepared for me. And I'm the big boss. And sat down and went to work. And so midweek I had a, a uh, staff meeting. And I sat down with them and told them how much I appreciated them. And I called each one of them by name because I had a list of their names and their positions. And I told them how much I appreciated it and how dumb I was when it comes to uh, twisted pear and, and uh, fiber optics and all of that stuff. I knew nothing about that. I'm a civil engineer. And I said to the guys, I really appreciate you all uh, taking care of that for me. And when I got through, I laid out. I said, I don't watch nobody. I'm not a clock watcher. I want you to come to work when you're supposed to, leave when you're supposed to, and I'm not going to bother you. The next weekend, I got back to work Monday after that first Monday. 
And they had moved all of the stuff out of the office. Moved my stuff into the big office. And left a note saying, please forgive us for how we treated you. And so, ladies and gentlemen, when we go through these things, this kind of leads me into the message that I want to leave with you today coming out of uh, 1 Timothy. I don't know if you all are readers or not, but I'm 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 a scripture reader. So in 1 Timothy, if I can find it, Somebody help me find first in it. Is anybody gonna help me find first in it? <laughs> like I'm really messing with you. <laughs> Amen. So first Timothy chapter six. And I want you to look at verse eleven and twelve with me. By the way, I, I told you, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy what I do. So I'm, I'm not one of those who just bang away seriously all the time. I enjoy what I do. The Spirit of the Lord is in me and in me greatly. And it's caused me to be joyful. First, chap, uh, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. But thou, O man of God, Flee these things. And these things being the pre- previous verse, I didn't read all the rest of that, to talk about the money and all the other things that you could have. He said, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold, can everybody say lay hold, lay hold. on eternal life, whereunto thou art also what call, and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. And I'd like to wrap all these thoughts around a thought today, and I'm going to call it living for purpose, and the choice is yours. Living for purpose, and the choice is yours. I I feel comfortable enough to, this is good right here. Living for purpose, and the choice is yours. Now, There are many people flow through life and never really realize the true essence of life. They just kind of float. And when I find there are few old people in our church, our our church, the average age now is uh, about 35, somewhere in that area, around 35 years of age, and they're between 3,000 and 4,000 of us there. And, and, and I find among some of the old men my age 
who cannot go out and buy an airplane ticket to go from one part of the coast here in America to the next. Something happened with that person. They missed their purpose. Never really thought anything beyond today. Now, a lot of us got a whole lot of thoughts about the Lord says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself and all of that. But I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that is not meant for us to lay down and go to sleep. That is not meant for us to say, I don't need to eat tomorrow. You got, if you got children, they're going to have to go to school. And you can't go to school today on your good looks and how, whatever church you go to. You say, I go to church, I love God, so therefore let me in or let my children in. It ain't happening like that. So we have to plan. We have to know what is going on. You can't run this church, Pastor, without a, a budget, a plan. Everybody got to, whoever it is that you got working with you, your elders and so on, have to sit down and put a plan together and think out what it is you want to do in 2010 and then put a, com, uh, a companion budget together with that in order to do it. And if you don't do that, I guarantee you, you'll be like many other churches in California going out of business. And the church don't have any business going out of business. Are you with me? So the, the bottom line is, is planning and thinking. And if you plan and think, something has to happen good for you. I sit down in the, in the month of November with my people and lay out a plan for everything that we were going to do in 2010. Then we put dollars with it. This year, however, I did what I could do to cut off, we, we were able to reduce the budget from last year to this year, at least 115000 I was able to take off by changing a few things, doing this and doing the other. But you can bet your bottom dollar, ladies and gentlemen, there is a plan laid out at Livingstone. And we ain't planning on going out of business. Because we got business to turn, attend to which causes us to live for purpose. And the choice is out. And I want you to know that whatever profession you're in, whatever it is that you're doing, ladies and gentlemen, the choice is yours. Now, look at what Paul said here. Listen to how he said that. He said, now, I've talked to you about all the things that can come through your life. I've talked to you about money, and I've talked to you about this, that, and the other. And he said, now, in verse 11, but thou, O man of God, flee from these things. And follow righteousness, goodness, and faith. And he said, lay hold. In other words, get your arms, your head wrapped around what is the righteousness of God. Now that choice is yours to make. Did you know God loves us so much he's not, he wouldn't stop us from... Now again, I don't know anything about your theology. Okay? So I'm just telling you what, where I stand. But I believe that God loves us so much that he will not stop us from going to hell if we choose to. His arms are open. His blood has been shed for us. The request is made. Come unto me, all your labor, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And all the other things that go along with that, he's already done that. Now, if we still choose to say, I will not have faith in what God did for Jesus. I'm in Romans now. You all know Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Okay. 
And so when he said, I want you to know that I am with you. I want you. But I treat you today, and I'm hearing God speaking now, I treat you today as I did Adam and Eve when I put them in the garden. I put a couple of trees in the middle of the garden. I said, if you love me, don't bother these. Choice is yours. I do not. God does not want a robot. God wants somebody to love him from the inside out, not from the head. God wants us to be able to, to love him at any cost and do not allow anybody to mess with you. Now, let me tell you something. This business of politics, keep tab on me here. I'm normally used to preaching about 40 minutes. But listen, listen, listen to this. In the area of politics, I was in politics for 18 years. Served as a city councilman at first, then vice mayor, then the mayor, then back to vice mayor, and finally, uh, through the rest of my 18 years, I was the mayor of the city of Lancaster. First African-American and the only one at this point who had won a seat on the Lancaster City Council. And I had people come to me who are in politics today who offered me certain things for certain things. But the certain things they wanted was inconsistent with certain things that I could give them. So certain things that they asked for that was inconsistent with certain things, I said no. (laughs) Because I have a purpose in my life. See, when God put me, when I ran for the city council in 1990, the Lord says, I'm putting you in there to represent me. I am putting you in there. And by the way, 24 hours before the, ele- the election, the day before the election, one of the guys came out from one of the realtors that comes, they brought me a check for $2,000 and said, we're going to give you $2,000. You're not going to win. We've already done a poll. You're not going to win. But we're bringing you $2,000 because we like your style. <laughs> and so I, the Lord the night before that, which was the day before that, had already told me, I am putting you in the office. And I'm putting you in there to represent me. So when this gentleman said that to me, I said, Sir, I'm sorry that you can't see this, but I will be in the office. All I ask you to do is that on tomorrow night after the, after the polls close, would you come to the city of Lancaster and congratulate me? He says, You can't do it, Mr. Ernst. Why can't I do it? Well, one, you ain't got no money. True. He said, number two, you run all over town, everywhere you go, you're talking about you're a preacher for Jesus Christ. And he said, there's a lot of people in this town who do not like Christian preachers. And you're preaching against the Jews and all the other things. And he said, I said, no, I'm not preaching against anybody. I'm preaching for somebody. He said, so you're doing that. And then he said, I'm sorry, Mr. Hearns. He said, but you're black. I said, all right. I need to still ask you, will you come tomorrow night? (laughs) Will you come tomorrow night and congratulate me? He said, how do you know you're going to win? I said, ask him. And I pointed up, ask him. He just told me that last night that he was going to do it so you ask him, I believe him. Because I thought about what Paul said. Remember the shipwreck? 
Paul said, I believe God. How many of you are here today, even in the midst of opposition, when God tells you something, you're able to believe Him? Now, that doesn't come easy all the time because the things look so dark. But when God says something, it has to happen. Because if we are out for His purpose, He's going to back us. He told us that. I'm skipping all over the Bible here a little bit, you all. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Remember in verse 18, he said, he said, all power is in my hand. This is Matthew 28, 18. All power is in my hand. Then he goes on down. He said, now, because all power is in my hand, I'm sending you for my purpose. Go. And when you go, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've told you. And then the key part, he said, and I'm going with you. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm with God. I'm so glad I'm His Son. I'm so glad He's my Father. I'm so glad I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm so glad that the Spirit of God lead me to purpose, to purpose, to purpose. I would urge you that one of the things that Paul says as we get back into the basic part of the text, one of the things that Paul did is he took a look at life. He made sure he understood what life was all about. He understood the relationship between life on earth and life in eternity. And he recognized that when you talk about time, I refer to time as a small piece of eternity. A piece that we recognize. And I said God cut a little hunk out of eternity, had eternity to keep rolling, and hooked that up and called it time. And that's where you and I are today. But we have a choice in the matter of what we do or don't do in this period called time. But most of us allow a day to pass, a next day pass, and we keep thinking that something else is going to happen. I'm going to let you all in in on something that, that happened to me. And I let it happen. Got met my children's mother when, I, when she was 14. I was 16. When the military came back, got married, went on to school. And the Lord called me into the ministry. So my little wife was not happy with that business at all, of me being a preacher. And I said, but uh, uh, honey, she says, I, I, that was not a part of the deal. <laughs> because she had seen some things the preacher's wives had to go through as a child, and she decided she wasn't going through that. But watch this. After making that decision, I said, I'll quit. Preacher, some of us are so stupid. I mean, how, how, how do I quit what God's purpose is for me to agree with what she wanted? But I did that and moved from Mississippi all the way to California and decided I would never let anybody know I was a preacher because I want my wife. Get to California, and long story made short, sitting up in the house with some friends of ours and her daddy was a preacher. He was an old man about my age at that time and I was 27, uh, 28 years old. And he shook hands with me and when he shook hands with me, he just held on my hand and he said, son, What's up with you? I said, nothing. I'm a civil engineer. I work. I make a good living for my wife, and I do well. 
He said, no, son, you, you seem like you're running from something. And I just kept saying, no, no, no. And finally looked dead me in the eye. Are you running from being a preacher? And uh, I dropped my head. He said, son, go tell your wife. Now, he's still in the house with us. Go tell your wife that you're going for the purpose for what God has called you to. And love her and just be tender with her. She'll catch up. But you go which way God has called you to go. Well, it wasn't too long after that I was in Columbus, Ohio. And while I was in Columbus, Ohio, I was the only black engineer in the group. So this white lady who was at the desk who took me in says, I see you're the only black engineer out of about 40 engineers that are here. And I'd like to, me and my boyfriend would like to take you out on the town. I said, I'm fine. Long story made, I went. So when we got downtown Columbus, Ohio, they pulled up in the front of a place and had a big sign on it that said, the Lions Den. It was a club. And I'm scratching my head figuring out how am I going to handle this. <laughs> Somebody hear about me being up in here back at my church, I'm in trouble. <laughs> well, I went on in. Let me show you how God works things. When you have been designated for a purpose and you turn your life over to Him, God will guide your life even when you are not too happy with it. I'm sitting up in the place and people start smoking, smoke going everywhere, and I finally decided, Barry, that I'm going to get up and go out and catch some air. This smoke is too thick. Just as I went to one, go out, a guy had a cup of liquor in his hand. He grabbed my little short brother, and he grabbed me by the hand. He said, sir, you don't belong here, do you? I said, I sure don't. I belong to California. He said, no, but you're here for some other reason. I said, I'm an engineer. He said, no. Are you a preacher? You, you see what I'm... I'm in the lion's den. A cup of liquor in his hand. And when I said yes, he slammed his cup down. He said, sir, I don't drink. I just buried my father today. And the Lord told me... The Lord told me to come to the lion's den that he had help here for me. And that's you. And I began to witness to him in the lion's den. Cigarettes went out. Drinking stopped. And the next thing I know, I was preaching to the entire lion's den. a purpose for my preaching. Otherwise, I would not be here today. God has a purpose. So, right there. So, here the preacher a few weeks later saying, are you running? And I go to the lion's den and the man didn't ask me no question not too long. He said, I'm looking for help. I buried my father today and I'm about to go crazy. And God told me to come to the lion's den. Sit his cup down. And I began to witness to him. 
Normally they would put you out if you're going to stop all the drinking in the cell. But they, I noticed behind the counter the guy with the, with the apron on and everything, he started listening to. God is able to give you victory if you follow the purpose for which he has. So Paul always looked at life versus eternity. Look at what he, he looked at the material riches. And that's another thing I had a real problem with. And that is material riches because I was born and raised in Mississippi where we didn't have anything. It rained in our house. It snowed in our house. And mother kept telling me about the white folks and all the other stuff and, and about how much God loved me. I said, oh, mama, he don't love us. We the wrong color. He loved the folks up in the, on them big tall houses up on, among the trees. She said, son, you can't think like that. That's, that's, that's just where you are right now. But there's another day for you. Never will forget it. Went to the white folks' house. A little boy about my age had a little toy truck. I stole the truck, took it home. Long story made short, Mama said, where'd you get that truck, son? I said, from the junk pile right up the road. She went on back in the house, so I thought I had it made. But the Holy Spirit spoke to Mama. See, Mama knew I had purpose on my life. She knew that. So Mama came back out, and she looked right in the eye and said, son, where'd you get that truck? And I dropped my head. Finally, I told her that I got it from the white people's house. Mama got a switch in her hand and marched me about a mile back downtown with the truck in my hand, go to the back door, pull off my cap, and call for little Malcolm to come out to give him the truck back and ask him to forgive me. Well, little Malcolm came and his daddy came with him. They said, oh, little Henry can have the truck. And she said, no. Uh-uh, he can't have it. It's not his. She said, but I'm going to give it to you. He said, no, but he took it wrong. Keep the truck. Mama gets me back home, and she said, son, I want you to know something. God's been speaking to me, that before you kids get grown, we're going to have a house, a good house, our own house, our own farm. I said, Mama, how do I? Son, God has already told me. Are you with me? God has already told me that this was going to happen. Long story made short, it did happen. So I want you to know that the riches of this world, the material goods of this world, is going to fade with this world. But you and I have the responsibility to go out among the hedges and the byways and all through your community and wherever you find somebody is to let them know that there's a living Savior who bled and died on Calvary that we might have purpose for eternity. But you cannot have your purpose and God's purpose if they conflict. You can only have one or the other. And I believe there's a song, and I forgot the name of the song, that says, that let my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer. Nearer, blessed Lord. And let my will be lost in thine. You're looking at a guy who tried everything he could to be a millionaire by the time he got 40 years old. That was me. Because that's all I thought, that's all I lived and thought about. So I ended up not being a millionaire. In addition to that, lost my marriage. Six ch- children later, 
bunch of money in various banks, had several houses every which way you could look. In the Antelope Valley, I had houses and land, rental houses and what have you. I was on my way to being a millionaire. Wrong purpose. But the choice was mine. So I say to you today, the choice is yours, whatever you do with your life. So once I got square away, I lost all of this. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you're also looking at a God that I'm sharing this with you right now while I'm in your presence. That after my wife quit me, she wouldn't have me back. Lost all the money. Went through court and they took all that away from me. The rent houses and what have you. And there's a little place down there called Sagas, California. I went down there and climbed up on top of the mountain. There was a railroad track that ran down beneath this, this place. And my intent was to wait for that train that night and jump off in front of the train and end it all. So you're looking at a guy who attempted suicide. Pastoring. Pastoring a church way where I am now. I'm trying to tell you that God had a purpose on my life and there was no way I could get away from it. I couldn't jump off the railroad track. There was nowhere to hide. But that night after I came off of that mountain, sitting there on the mountain waiting for the train. Now this is, this is, this is to tell you how crazy you, you can be. Sitting on the mountain, a cold rain came. And it looks as if that water went over my eyes and they came open and there was death standing looking me in the face. And I shoved at it and it didn't look like I just shoved all through it. And off that mountain I came down on the old Sierra Highway, got home about 4 or 5 o'clock that next morning and I told my little wife, from now on, it's God's purpose or no purpose at all. I want you. I love you. But if I can't have you, I'm going to just have to do it out because God has another purpose on my life. And I must fulfill. And that's what Paul was saying in this. He said, lay hold. So I urge you to lay hold on eternal life. Come with me to Romans. Let's see if we can quit. Romans chapter 8. Will somebody help me find Romans chapter 8? <laughs> well, glory to God. I beat you there this time. Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse... I want to look at verse number 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us our infirmities. But when we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself Make it in a session for us with groaning which cannot be uttered. Now, ladies and gentlemen, again, I'm not going to mess with your theology. What I'm saying to you is what I understand and believe. I have no problem with absolutely not knowing what to say and just kind of lay out and let the tongue go ahead wherever it wants to go. And somehow or the other, God hears it, understands it, and put me back on the path of purpose. Are you with me? Slipping on down a little further. Verse 28. Now here's, here's one that will mess with most folks. It did with me. For we And we know, can you help me read verse 28? And we know that all things work together for good for them that love God, 
to them who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Well, what about this business of divorce? Did God order divorce? Absolutely not. Don't let nobody tell you a big lie like that. Don't let nobody fool you. And I hope I ain't getting anybody confused in that. God did not order my divorce. But he did let me have my own choice. He didn't take the wife's choice away from her. And by the way, before I forget it, she just passed a year ago in, 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 in February, February 6th last year. But three years ago, me and her got to be the best friend after having been divorced and separated for 35 years. We became the best friends in the world and were just having a good time. Uh, even in a, she was bound to a wheelchair, lost her kidneys, and I was happy to take care of her and share with us. We were not remarried, but I took care of her and shared my children's mother uh, with them in helping her to have the best life she could have after losing her kidney. The, the, but the, the point I want to make out of this is uh, when things come upon us, many times we question, maybe I took the wrong turn. Maybe I moved to the wrong city. Maybe I bought the wrong house. Maybe I'm passing the wrong church. Maybe I wasn't supposed to be here to be the, the praise leader because things are not exactly like I like them. But I need to have every last one of you to know. Can I use the word that I use at home if I'm at my church? Every last stinking one of us. Have purpose. Every last stinking one of us have some difficulties and those difficulties that you run into sometimes has nothing to do with money. There's other things that can get in your way that's bigger than money. But you need to know your purpose and stand for the purpose. But remember, I told you that our theme was purpose, living for purpose, and the choice is yours. But don't let the devil trip you up. The, his, his business, what, what is that, John chapter 10? What verse? Somebody help me. There you Come on, baby. Was that you said that? All right, verse... Uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, what does it say? The, for the thief cometh not, but to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. So his business is, that, how many of y'all know that the devil don't have the power that we have? Ah, let me take you somewhere. What is it? Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. I better shut my Bible up here because we're going to go too far. I know I've already lived up my 30 minutes ever. Listen, listen, listen what he said. Remember, the thief comes to steal. The question is, why does he steal? Because he can't take. A little baby Christian, one foot tall. Are you all with me? A one foot tall baby Christian who knows the power of the Holy Spirit, the devil don't even stand a chance. Because the Lord says to us in, in, in Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, I believe it is. What did he say, somebody? Behold what? Behold, I give you what? Or authority or what's another word? Power. Go ahead and read. To trample. Are you all with me? To trample. To trample on Satan's head. 
and know what else he said. And not only that, did he give us power to tread on his head, he said as he closed that verse, this is Jesus. And, come on, read it, sir. And nothing shall hurt you. Nothing. The devil don't, he can't even bite my feet. Let's close by saying to you today, I am so thankful to be with you. I am a long-winded preacher, and I recognize that. But the Lord speaks to me through his Holy Spirit and gives me what the need of the people are. So I come to you today as we close this message. Pastor, I don't know how long you've been pastoring. How long you've been pastoring here? Since 92. So you probably were running in a few blocks here and there. I guess what I want to say to you Don't allow Satan to steal from you. Now, one of the things that Mr. Satan will do, he'll try to make you believe that you don't have power enough to get out or power enough to walk over him. But if you're willing to have faith and trust God and say, I'm going to do this if it kills me. Now, when you make that decision and you dig in and stand in, now I got my back against the wall and I ain't going nowhere. So, Satan, bring it on, buddy. But I ain't going nowhere. And the only thing that you need to know, Mr. Satan, if you got front teeth, you may leave them without come up in here I've gotten too old now and Satan pretty much knows that he can't do nothing to me because I ain't scared a bit the only thing that I try my best to do is not to make any of you believe that this came overnight it took a lot of exercise to do this I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I, I go to the gym about four times five times a week I do push-ups still. I still do some jogging and all of that at, seven, at almost, in two months I'll be 77. But I guess the point I want to make to you is that in order to be okay physically, you got to do exercise. In order to be all right spiritually, you got to do exercise. I urge you praying for you now if there's anybody in here who is going through some turbulent times right now I'm not going to have you stand but if there's anybody going through some turbulent times right now and you're not quite sure what to do you're not even quite sure of what your purpose is the move of God is on my life now and I'd like to agree with you right here if there's anyone in this room have any kind of disability, a physical disability, that the doctor's already given you some very bad news. I got some good news for you. Amen. If there's anybody in the room who needs that 
anyone who wishes to come to the altar for prayer. We're willing and able to pray for you for purpose. But the choice is yours. And I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to somebody in this room. And you're saying, well, there's too many people looking. But this is for you. It's not for the people who are looking. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Uh-huh. 
And I have power over you today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yeah. Tell him thank you. Thank you, Lord. Whatever you want from the Lord, just tell him thank you right now. And you got it. You got it. In Jesus' name. Rip on to me tight. Hang on tight. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Tell the Lord thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I have purpose. I have purpose. And I've chosen to follow you. Tell him I've chosen to follow you. No matter what it costs. In Jesus' name. Amen.
when he increased, he says, so go out faith, so go out victory. If you trust him, he's able to do it. Raise him hand for him. Father Jesus' name, I lay hand on yeah, 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 Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, speak to him. That's it, that's it, let him in, 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 let him you can't do that. Because when you do that, he said, target. Now, we had communion together. And I, I think it was, was that your wife that talked to me. I just want to say to you, there's some things that either is happening
Uh, can I lay my hands on you? It's all right. I'm going to put my hands on you. And I want you to raise them hands high as you can raise them. Father, in Jesus' name, Master Savior, touch this, your son, who had faith enough to come before you today. And I thank you for him. Thank you for his faith. Thank you for his purpose. His purpose, his purpose. He has chosen that his purpose is all about you. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. blessing upon you. If you must go, you're free to go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. 